morning. Uh, when I get the chance to read what I want to read, that is when I'm not in class and when I'm not prepping for sermons and things like that, I tend to be a, a science fiction and fantasy reader. I don't know if that's you or not. My mother was a, uh, she loved um, uh, mysteries. She was a Agatha Christie reader. Everybody's got their own thing. My dad likes Westerns. I like science fiction and fantasy. And uh, one of my favorite book series and movie series for that matter is J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, has anybody read the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Okay. And has anybody watched the movies based on the trilogy? Okay, great. So some of you will know what I'm talking about. Um, it is one of my uh, favorite book series. The hero of the story is a, um, a very small uh, person named Frodo, and he must go on a very perilous journey uh, to destroy a very dangerous thing. And um, fortunately, he does not go alone. Uh, he has a, a fellowship that goes with him, and eventually after that fellowship is kind of broken, he still has his best friend and his um, trusted confidant, Samwise Gamgee, which is one of the best names ever in fiction, I think. Uh, but Sam, uh, Frodo's loyal companion, goes with him. Um, and and uh, I ran across this picture not too long ago. It made me laugh really hard. Um, uh, it is dangerous to go alone. So take this. Uh, <laughs> And the, the wizard Gandalf giving Sam to Frodo. Uh, it's dangerous to go alone. It's dangerous to go alone. We are disciples, and we're talking about what it means to be disciples uh, today, uh, becoming more and more like Jesus. I'm so thankful for Marty sharing with us in that series last week, talking about uh, following our rabbi, uh, that, that we as disciples, we want to know what the rabbi knows so that we can do what the rabbi does, so that we can be just like our rabbi. Uh, and as Marty mentioned last week, I kind of tossed him under the bus two weeks uh, ago, and uh, I did not intend to do that. That was just a bonus, dude. <laughs> that was just a happy accident. Um, so uh, I'm very thankful for that sermon. As we follow our rabbi, as we get to know our rabbi, as we imitate our rabbi, uh, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that we don't do this alone. It's dangerous to go alone. We need people to go with us. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the Bible very literally, very plainly says in its opening um, chapters that it's not okay for us to be alone. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 2, God has created... Um, the world, and he's placed uh, the man into it. In, in Genesis chapter 1, he creates Adam and Eve at the same time. In Genesis chapter 2, the story, he creates Adam first, and, and he cannot find a partner for Adam. And, and God literally says, of all the things in chapter 1 that he's called good, you know, he's created the land, and it's good. He's created the sky, and it's good. He's created the seas, and it's good. He's created vegetation, and it's good. All these things are good until he creates Adam, and he can't find a partner for Adam, and he says, it's not good for this person that I've created to be alone. We're not designed for alone. We're, we're not designed to, to try this on our own. We're designed for together. And that's true when we're talking about being disciples. We're not disciples alone. We're disciples inside of this thing called the church as part of the body of Christ. 
It's part of a group of people who have declared that Jesus is our rabbi. We want to follow him. We want to know what he knows so we can do what he does so that we can be more and more and more like him. And so we are following Jesus, but we are following Jesus together, right? We're following Jesus together. And so I want to share with you uh, this morning a few relationships that we need in order to follow Jesus. And in order to do that, we're going to turn to the life of Paul this morning in the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to jump around the book of Acts a little bit. You can follow along in your Bible if you want to, or we'll put it up on the, on the screen um, if you'd rather follow along there. Paul, of course, we kind of have this tendency to see Paul as, as maybe this, this really great disciple. You know, most of the New Testament kind of seems either devoted to him or written by him. And, and Paul's kind of this epitome of like, this is the the greatest follower of Jesus in the first century. You know, he's a, he's a church planter and he's an evangelist and he's a disciple maker. But does Paul do all of this stuff on his own? Does Paul do all of this stuff on his own? No, no he does not. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, Paul doesn't do this stuff on his own. Paul has people with him. Paul's always going with other people. We tend to kind of single out Paul by himself, but Paul always has people with him as he's doing things, as he's planting churches and he's going on missionary journeys and as he's speaking to the crowds and as he's doing all of these things, he's always got somebody with him. In fact, of the 10 letters that are attributed to Paul in the New Testament, uh, I'm sorry, of the 13 letters that are attributed to Paul in the New Testament, 10 of them have co-authors. Ten of them, it's Paul and somebody else writing to you. It's often Timothy, sometimes it's Sosthenes. You know nothing about Sosthenes, except that he's got an amazing name, and he co-authors a couple of letters. Uh, so there are people who are with Paul. He does these things in relationship. As he's following God, he's not doing it alone. He's following Jesus together with other people. And so there are some relationships in his life, I think, that are really important uh, for every disciple to have. And um, there are three in particular that I want to look at with you today. There are, this by the way, is part of a, a much larger thing that I did a, a while back. There are actually seven relationships that Paul has um, that I think are, are worth exploring. But doing a seven-point sermon on, on a single Sunday is a little rough. So... We're just doing three today. Uh, you have a handout, a little card that was on your chair when you came in, or if you're in the balcony, I think Marty handed them to you, uh, or he's going to hand them to you. If, he's, if he hasn't yet, he's hoarding them. Go get him. Tackle him. Uh, but on this handout, uh, on one side of it, you will see the seven relationships um, that every disciple needs. On the other side of it are three fill-in-the-blanks. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Three relationships that every disciple um, really needs to have, I, I think, um, convinced of from uh, the life of Paul and from the New Testament. Um, and the first one is this. The first one is Barnabas. You need a Barnabas. You need a Barnabas. Who is Barnabas? Barnabas is your mentor. Barnabas is the one who is discipling you. He's the one that's pouring, he or she is the one that's pouring their life into your life to help you walk closer with Jesus. Uh, Barnabas is not his real name. His real name is Joseph, uh, but he gets called Barnabas. Barnabas is a nickname. It means son of encouragement. 
What a great nickname, right? The Encourager. If you were a superhero, you'd be the Encourager. Uh, and, and you need that in your life. You need a person who is your encourager in your walk with Jesus. You need someone uh, to help you walk with Jesus and encourage you along the way. Um, this is Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 26 and 27. It's talking about the first time Paul, after he became a Christian, tried to join the church. And just imagine this for a second. It, the, if, you're, if you know about Paul, you know that Paul is famous for killing and persecuting and jailing Christians. And all of a sudden, he shows up on a Sunday morning. What do you do? <laughs> time to lock the doors, people. Everybody out the back. So what happens the first time that Paul shows up to church? All right, here's what happens. Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. When he, Paul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, no doubt, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But who? Barnabas. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly the name of Jesus. Paul can't even get in the church doors on his own to start with. But Barnabas is there, right? But the son of encouragement comes and he takes Paul and he brings him to the apostle and he says, no, you have to understand about this guy. Let me tell you about him. He is a different man than the man that you know. I vouch for him. You need somebody like that. You need somebody that's willing to wrap their arm around you and lead you in and bring you into a deeper relationship with Jesus, and bring you into the body. He brings him inside, and he gets him started. A little while later, this is Acts chapter 9, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 11, beginning with verse 19. says this, uh, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, and they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men from Cyprus and Cyrene who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord. And news of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas left and went to Tarsus to look for Saul or Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Barnabas is responsible, partially at least, is responsible for the name that we still carry today. How did that happen? Because he went and got a young guy named Saul or Paul and brought him along and said, there's work here to be done and I want you to do it with me. You need somebody like that. 
You need somebody who is going to bring you along and bring you into the work of God, who's going to bring you into a deeper relationship with Jesus, who's going to invest in you, and who's going to say, I believe that you can do these things that Jesus is calling us to. I believe that you can know Jesus, that you can obey Jesus, that you can walk with Jesus, that you can be more like Jesus, and I want to help you do that. Do you have somebody like that? Barnabas sees ministry and goes and gets Paul and brings him to where the ministry is happening, and they work alongside each other for a whole year. Do you have somebody that's willing to do that for you? Do you have somebody that's, that's willing to pour into you in that way? Who is your Barnabas? There's a blank there on that card that I handed to you. If you know who that is, put, put their name down right now. If you don't know who that is, think about it for a minute. Is there somebody that that you know that's pouring into you? Is there somebody that you look up to as a mentor in the faith? Maybe it's an older family member uh, who was a Christian before you. Maybe it's a member of of this church, of another body. Um, Is there somebody that you have a personal relationship? This isn't somebody you watch on TV or listen to their podcast. This is somebody that you know. You know in real life. And they know you too. All right? This isn't a stranger. This is somebody you've got a relationship with. Who is it that you know that is pouring into you in some way, shape, or form? That's your Barnabas. If you know who it is, write their name down. For me, uh, mainly that's my dad. He's been my Barnabas for most of my life. He's been the minister that, that I have looked at almost my entire life. He's been my pastor. And he's taught me how to do ministry. Other times, it's been other people. Uh, It's been uh, Jerry's brother, Larry Carter, uh, who was my preaching professor and the president of of the college I went to in in undergraduate school. He was my mentor. Uh, My friend Eric taught me how to do youth ministry when I had no real interest in doing youth ministry. He, He made me get up and do karaoke in front of a bunch of kids, even though I can't sing, and he taught me that making a fool out of myself is the best way to endear myself to high school students. Um, I'm happy to still do that today. Do you have a Barnabas? Who is that? And and listen, if you don't have one, if, if no name is coming to you, you need to find one. You need to find a Barnabas. No no matter how long you've been in the faith, no matter how old you are, you need a Barnabas. At some point, maybe it's not an older Christian, maybe it's a peer mentor. You're mentoring each other in the faith. But you need a Barnabas. And if there's somebody that you look up to, don't be shy. Go and ask him. Will you be my mentor? Will you help me follow Jesus more closely? Will you be my Barnabas? It's okay to ask that. You need a Barnabas. And you also need a Timothy. You got to have a Barnabas. You got to have a Timothy. Barnabas is the person that is discipling you. Timothy is the person you are discipling. Barnabas is pouring his life into you or her life into you. You're pouring your life into Timothy. Timothy is your disciple. It's the person that you are intentionally helping grow closer to Christ. Paul does for Timothy in the scriptures what Barnabas did for him, right? Barnabas went and got Paul and brought him to where the action is and said, you minister alongside of me. And that's exactly what Paul does to Timothy. I wonder where he learned that. Right? He learned from his mentor, and so then he, he does it, which is exactly how this process is supposed to work. 
right? We learn from, from older Christians who learn from older Christians who learn from older Christians who learn from all the way back to the disciples who learn from Jesus, right? You need a Timothy. You need somebody to pour your life into. Acts chapter 16, we are introduced to Timothy for the very first time. Acts chapter 16, the first five verses, Paul went on also to Derbe and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him, and he had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went from town to town, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. The church is strengthened and the church increases. Why? Because Paul invests in a young guy named Timothy. Because he doesn't try to do it by himself because he remembers that we're supposed to follow Jesus together. So he he goes and gets Timothy, and he gets him ready, and he takes Timothy along, and he does ministry alongside of him, and the result is that the church is strengthened. You want a strong church? Get a disciple. Pour your life into somebody else. You want the church to last? Make sure you've got a disciple. Pour your life into somebody else. The only way that the church continues to exist is because people continue to pour their lives into other people. For some of us, that's literally the children that we have. We're pouring our lives into them. For some of us, it's, it's um, spiritual children. We, for some of us, it's, it's a neighbor. For some of us, it's, it's a friend. For some of us, it's um, maybe the, the kids that we have in the church or the teens that we have in the church. Teens. You guys up in the balcony, I can see you. You don't hide well, so hi. For you, get yourselves a disciple. There are people in the church that are newer in the faith than you. And you can disciple them now. Get involved in the life of of children in the church. Get involved um, in atrium. Get involved in youth group. Uh, Shannon uh, has a program going called Five to One. She's asking for five adults to give meaningful contact in the life of a teen uh, in a month in the church. Get involved. There's opportunity to disciple people. You need a Timothy. Who is your Timothy? Do you know? Write their name down. Who is your Timothy? By the way, no surprise Timothys. They have to know. (laughs) All right? They have to know. They have to agree to be your Timothy. You don't just grab people off the street and say, hey, you, you're my Timothy now. They've got to know and agree, okay? It's got to be intentional. Who's your Timothy? Do you have that name? Write it down. If you don't have a Timothy, if you don't have a Timothy, it's time to find one. Who is it that you can pour your life into? You may not think that you're ready to do that yet. That's okay. There's somebody that's newer in the faith than you are that you can pour your life into. And we can help you do that. If you don't know how, we'd love to, to teach you. Come and talk to, to me or to Meg or to Marty, to the lead team, to whoever. Talk to your Barnabas. 
about how to do what they do for somebody else. So you need a Timothy. You need a Timothy. Paul has a Barnabas, Paul has a Timothy, and Paul has a Silas. You need a Silas as well. You need a Silas. Who is Silas? Silas is Paul's partner. Silas is Paul's friend. Silas is Paul's co-worker. At some point, the relationship between Barnabas and Paul changes. Barnabas is no longer Paul's mentor. They become more like equals, and they part ways. They don't do it on great terms. Sometimes that happens. I don't recommend doing it that way. Uh, But Barnabas, uh, he sets off in one direction with a new disciple, and Paul, uh, he chooses his friend Silas to be his traveling companion and partner in the work. Here's what happens. It's Acts chapter 15, verses 40 and 41. But Paul chose Silas and set out, the believers commending him to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Again, partnership strengthens the church. Partnership strengthens the church. We're not meant to do this alone. All of us together, to some degree, are each other's silos. At at some level, even if it's just a surfacey level, here, if you're part of UCC, if this is the place that you've decided is is home for you in your faith walk, then we at UCC are your silos to some degree or another. But you need a few close silences in your life. You need a few that are willing to walk with you and be a very, very close co-worker, very, very close partner with you. You need somebody that's going to stick with you even in the darkest times. When Paul gets to Ephesus, he starts doing ministry there, and it goes very, very badly, and he winds up in jail. And wouldn't you know it, he doesn't wind up in jail alone. Silas won't let him go to jail by himself. Silas goes with him. Do you have somebody that if you were going to be jailed for your faith, they would say, take me too. I can't let them be alone. Do you have somebody that's that close of a a friend, of a partner to you? You need a Silas. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I like to believe, the Bible doesn't say this, so allow me to indulge my my fantasy moment here just for a second. I'd like to believe that it's Silas who starts the singing. Paul's like, man, I had this vision, I'd come to Ephesus, and I I drove out demons, and it just landed us in prison. Silas, I'm so sorry. And Silas is like, you know what we should do? And Paul's like, jailbreak? And Silas says, no, sing. Paul's like, you're crazy? And Silas says, yes, come be crazy with me, let's sing. And they launch into hymns to God in the middle of the prison. I'd like to believe it was Silas bucking Paul up. Maybe it was mutual, I don't know. But who are you going to share the prison cell with when it's dark? Who are you going to sing hymns with when everything seems lost? Who are you going to share the road with Who are you going to share the load with on the journey of following Jesus? I have a friend named John. John is my Silas. I've sat with John 
um, after his wife lost their baby, sat with him for hours. Uh, John and I are on the phone to each other all the time talking ministry. What's going on in your church? What's going on in your church? How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And even though I have moved farther away, I have no doubt, none whatsoever, zero doubt in my mind that if I called John today and said, I need you to come to Cincinnati, he would be here by the end of the day. I have zero doubt in my mind about that. John is my Silas. You need a Silas. And you can have many Siluses at any given time and many throughout your life. Paul doesn't just have Silas. He has people like Priscilla and Aquila and Sosthenes and Titius and Luke and other people who are his close companions from time to time. Who's your Silas right now? Maybe there's one or two or three people that, that are your close circle. They're your trusted people. They're your people. They're, they're your team. They're your crew. Who's that for you? Who's your Silas? Who's the person that you can call on no matter what? Jot their name down. If you don't have that person, you need that person. If you don't have that person, start looking for that. Invest in a Silas. And the only way to do that, by the way, is to get involved. The only way to do that is to get involved. Get involved in the life of the church. Get involved in things people are doing. Get involved in ministry alongside other people. Take advantage of opportunities. Get involved. Find somebody that you love working with. Some, find somebody that, that you, you believe you can trust. Build relationship with them. Let them know that they can trust you. Be a Silas to somebody and find yourself a Silas. Life is hard sometimes. Right? Life is hard. And following Jesus is no picnic some days. As much as we would like to believe that, that everything about following Jesus is all sunshine and roses, it's just not. Sometimes you land in jail. Sometimes it's dark following Jesus. The good news is that you don't have to do it alone. The good news is that you do not have to go through life alone. In fact, you shouldn't go through life alone. We absolutely should not believe that we can make it on our own. I watched Thursday night football uh, this week, watched the Bengals win. Um, and you know, it was amazing. Joe Burrow didn't do that by himself. I, I, come to find out, there's a whole team. <laughs> yeah. You need a team with you, Right? Nobody gets to be a follower of Jesus just by themselves. It doesn't work that way. Frodo has Sam. It's dangerous to go alone. Batman's got Robin. Washington's got Hamilton. Penn has Teller. Steve Jobs has Steve Wozniak. Jordan has Pippin. Paul's got Barnabas and Timothy and Silas. It's dangerous to go alone. Make sure you take somebody with you. Get a mentor. Get a disciple. Get a partner. Here's like I'd like to invite you to do with me this week. Uh, now that you have these cards, and hopefully you've got some names on it, if you don't, think about it some more, see if you can fill some names in later today. Now that you got this card, I'd like you to do something with this card. I would like you to uh, place it in your Bible and just forget about it. No, sorry, that's not true. Um, 
That's what we usually do with stuff like this, right? No, uh, here's what I'd like you to do with this card. I would like you to take this card and I'd like you to tape it up somewhere where your eyes are going to land on it daily. Where's that place for you? Next to the bathroom mirror, on the bathroom mirror, dashboard of your car, cubicle at work, refrigerator door, on the television set, I don't know, where do your eyes go? Put this card there so that you see it, all right? And, And over the next week especially, you can do this longer than a week, but over the next week, Would you pray for these people? Would you pray for these people? Thank God for them. Thank God for these relationships. Ask God to strengthen these relationships. And if that line is blank, if you cannot think of a name to put in that line, then pray for that. God, would you help me fill in this line? God, would you bring this relationship into my life? It might not magically happen in seven days. There's some work that we're going to have to put in ourselves to build these relationships and get these uh, partnerships going to find our Barnabas, our Timothy, our Silas. But would you begin to pray for that? God, I need a Barnabas. Help me find them. God, I need a Timothy. Help me find them. God, I need a Silas. Help me find them. This week, would you pray for those people? And then uh, also, uh, sometime this week, when you've got a chance, uh, flip that card over, and the other four relationships are there on the back of that card along with some verses in the Bible where you can see those relationships in action. I didn't have time to get to the other four. See if you've got some time this week. If you've got a few minutes, it's not going to take you more than about 15 or 20 minutes to read through um, those verses on the back of that card. Check out those other four relationships this week and pray for those relationships in your life as well. We are not designed for alone. It's dangerous to go alone. The church is not built to be a single individual. We are part of the body, each one of us. And we're meant to be together. Our world um, is at this very strange point where we are hyper-connected and at the same time, most of us feel very, very isolated. Maybe the church should be different than that. Maybe the church should be the place where we are truly connected. Where we can find people who are investing in us and where we can find people to invest in. Where it doesn't just look like we're connected to people, but we're actually building relationships. Relationships that matter and that are meaningful, that are life-changing and that are world-changing. As we follow Jesus, let's follow Jesus together. As we follow Jesus together, we'll become better followers of Jesus. May the church become a place where people can find partners and mentors and disciples. May UCC be a place where we're not alone. Uh, We're going to move into a time of communion right now. Communion is, among many other things, a reminder to us that we are not alone. Each week we gather and we take the bread and we take the juice and we are reminded that we are part, all of us are part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of of the body that spans the globe and that stretches throughout history. We're we're part of, of a global, historic church 
that as much as Jesus loves each and every one of us, Jesus also loves all of us. And as much as we talk about Jesus laying down his life for me, we come to the table and we remember that Jesus laid down his life for we, for us. And so as we come to a communion today, uh, we do that remembering that we are not alone. We do not have to make it through life alone. We don't have to make it through the day alone. We have Christ. We have his spirit. We have the church. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this and remember that you're not. Um, in just a moment, uh, we're going to pray and then um, feel free to come forward and take bread and juice and go back to your seats. When we've all been served, uh, we'll take those together. Uh, today. Before we pray, though, uh, would you please um, join me in confession, a moment of confession before the Lord. If you want to stand with me, you can. If you want to be seated where you are, that's fine. If you want to kneel, that's fine. Whatever posture you feel called to, uh, please feel comfortable doing that. Let's confess together, have a word of prayer, and then take our communion. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before this table thankful. We come before this table thankful for Jesus and for what he did for us. We come before this table thankful that we are part of your body, part of your bride, and that we are not alone. In the taking of these emblems and the eating of this meal today, help us to remember that we have a body, that we have Barnabases and Timothys and Silases and people who care about us. May we be reminded in the breaking of bread of Christ and of his body. In his name we pray. Please come and take the emblems.